On this episode of the Average Sean podcast, we talk Super Bowl and recap everything from the game to what we can expect from the teams moving forward. Uh, the G Funk halftime show, which we kind of get into a little bit of a debate on. We slide over into some NHL talk and then we wrap up with some college basketball. And I very much go on a rant about a certain school that I think many people will find entertaining. So I usually leave these at the end of the podcast because I forget to do it at the beginning. But thank you guys for listening to this. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe. Give us some feedback if you have a free moment. Other than that, let's get going. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Average Sean Podcast. We are now past Super Bowl weekend. Chris, how would you like the game? It was different. I think we can all say that. It was, it, it, in, in a way, it almost felt, felt like a preseason game with the matchup. Not so much the skill, you know, team, team versus team, but uh, it would have been cool to see them both in color rush, just, you know, bring back that ugly Thursday night uh, color rush from – what was it? 2017 was like the, when, when all the jerseys were just like beyond ugly. Um, I'll, I'll give you this. You wouldn't have gotten exactly what you wanted because Cincinnati's color rush was all white. So you, you wouldn't have really gotten much there. They've definitely done an all orange since though. I feel like they just do that in general though. Like I don't feel like that because they like specified for the color rush. They were specifically all white. So I, maybe, maybe I'm mistaken. But I feel like I also would have remembered the all orange because I love it when teams go like just out of the box, even if it turns out completely ugly, just because I like when they're willing to do something like that. Like the uh, the Seahawks, like neon green is just so gross. And I love it. I did it at some point last week. Um, I saw the. And actually, here it is again. I'm just looking up the all orange, but uh, someone an artist did a rendition of the jerseys um, that were actually worn this past weekend, but in like reverse color. And so the bangles were like all white, including a white helmet. Um, mm. and it was it, it pretty sick. I'm not going to lie. Like, I kind of wish, I hope that the bangles bring that at some point. Um, I wouldn't blame and, them if they did. I like, cause I, I'm maybe they would try to say something like, you know, bangles aren't white, but I'm pretty sure white tigers are Bengal tigers. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I mean, otherwise the game, it was, it was good. I mean, I, I, I definitely, it had a different feel, you know, obviously no Tom Brady. Um, and I will say that in, in a way it didn't have the top tier superstar that we're, that we've kind of grown accustomed to. Um, obviously there were stars, but it, there was no, it was kind of nice to not have a, a game changing quarterback. So this actually leads me to the, the question of, and maybe it's because the, like the running games weren't very good for either side of the, of the ball, but I felt like this was probably the most evenly matched Super Bowl that we've had in a while. And I know that people will throw out like the Patriots and the Eagles and that absolute shootout that they have, which makes sense if you say that the offenses were evenly matched but i'm saying like offense defense special teams 
the only real difference was that in the second half, LA's offense or defense was able to get uh, through Cincinnati's offensive line where Cincinnati really couldn't get that much pressure on Stafford in comparison to what they were, what was being done to Burrow. Yeah. I mean, and I think a lot of that has to come down to fatigue. I mean, I think it's safe to say that Cincinnati's O-line played great, even giving up seven sacks. Um, I just, you know, there's only so – you can only block Aaron Donald for so long and the rest of that offensive – the rest of that defensive line and Von Miller. And, yeah, I mean, that that Rams defense is stacked. Um, I I, I will say the – the second half was really interesting to me, and even the, really from the midway point of the second quarter on, because the Rams' offense, once OBJ went down, looked flat. They yeah, really they were terrible. Get, they looked bad, and Cooper Cup saved the day, um, put on an insane performance in the fourth quarter, particularly that last drive of the Rams. Um, literally, I, I think just about every throw went to him. On one play, he got absolutely decapitated and, yeah. you know, uh, which I, I, I have a funny uh, take on that. But, I, I, yeah, he didn't miss a play and literally every single play went to him on that drive. It felt like. And since he couldn't cover him to the point where they were holding him intentionally in the end zone and whatnot, which is the correct thing to do, you know, in, in that moment, especially in the Super Bowl, you got to take the penalty there. But. Jeez, man, Cooper Cup, it's a freak. Some uh, some FCS love there too. <laughs> uh, well, I do enjoy the fact that online there's a whole bunch of talk about how uh, Cooper Cup is like just turning Eli Apple to burnt toast everywhere he goes. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I it, it was it was pretty bad. But really, what I, I'm trying to kind of reconcile right now is I think Cup did deserve the MVP, but I think Aaron Donald deserved it just as much. So I'm wondering, did like, do we really have to only pick one? Like, could we have made them co-MVPs? Because you really could have made an argument for either side. And that, you know, there are, there are going to be people who are upset, but I think that overall the reason why you're upset is because you know, both sides are deserving. So like if they had made Aaron Donald, the MVP, I feel like we would be hearing just as many people complaining that, you know, Cooper Cup was like the catalyst of the last drive. So I really yeah. don't know what, like, what to do there. I mean, I, I think, unfortunately, and this is really across all the sports, um, offense will always win the tiebreaker when it comes to MVP. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think without that last drive, hands down, if the Rams were to win, Donald wins MVP without a doubt. Um, but Coop, I mean, uh, how many, how many catches did Cooper have on that last drive? It felt like literally every play was to him. Yeah. I mean, I don't have it in front of me, so I couldn't tell you the actual number, but I, I agree. Now um, the, the other question I have for you though, if Stafford doesn't throw the second interception, because I, I personally think it's still possible if he only throws the one, do we put Stafford as the MVP over Cup or Donald? Because he's a quarterback, and we all know that they usually lean quarterback. No. He proved uh, – well, he proved in a backward sense. When OBJ went down, we both just said that the offense went flat. Stafford, yep. while he is an above-average quarterback, 
he proved he could not take over a game. If it were not for Cooper Cup on that last drive, we don't know what would have happened. Um, Stafford is a very good quarterback. I think every team in the league would want him. I don't think he played at an MVP caliber, even excluding that, that second interception. That second half, when OBJ went down, they I mean, they were stale. The offense could not get going at all. So I would say no to that. See, I would be on the same page as you because I didn't think that he was like overwhelmingly great. But I feel like that second interception took it away from him, where at that point, it, it's it the award always starts as the starting quarterback of the winning teams to lose. So if since he had won it, then I would have like my presumption would have been Joe Burrow. And right. like 99% of America's assumption would have been Joe Burrow. I was the people who I was hanging out with during the Super Bowl, as soon as it was over, I said something about like staying to see who's going to be the MVP. And they're all like, oh, it's just going to be Stafford. And they were like floored when they heard it was cups. So wow. yeah. interesting. And I just a lot of people have resigned themselves to the idea that it's just going to go to the quarterback. Now, it's the last non-MVP, I believe, was Von Miller during the Broncos Super Bowl, which wasn't that long ago, but it's long enough ago that it feels like it's been forever since that has happened. So everyone's just going to be like, all right, cool. Well, it's, it's the quarterback. So let's just go with the quarterback. Yeah, what was that, 2016, 2015? We were still in college, so I think it might have actually been – 2015. Von Miller won the MVP when they played Carolina. Yeah, I believe so. Wow. It was it was either when we were still in college or like just graduated. So not not that long ago. It yeah, it was around that time, 2015, somewhere around there, because they got their ass whooped by Seattle the like year, year before. Yeah. So we mentioned them, and they are the rarity of the previous year Super Bowl loser who can make it back to the Super Bowl, much less the playoffs, because that's also a struggle. But where do we go with Cincy from here? Because I'm very curious to see, you know, do you think that they can repeat what they did this year or not necessarily repeat, but come close to repeating? Mm. I mean, I, I think it's safe to say they're a very, very, very good young team. Uh, I, I would say they're they're in a good window right now because their team is so young as a whole and they have so many rookie contracts that they're able to take advantage of. Um, as to say, you know, I, I, I don't see them going back to the Super Bowl next year. Um, and it's also important to note that this is a very rare down year for the AFC North, excluding Cleveland, who, you know, it's crazy, you know, now they're able to win five, six, seven, eight, nine games a year. Um, when a decade ago, they were struggling to win one game. But um, Steelers were obviously subpar as a whole. Ravens had a very rare down year because of injuries. And since he took advantage of that, I mean, 110%, they deserve every ounce of credit. Um they have a very good young roster. Their D-line really impressed me this entire playoffs. They they looked very, very, very good. Um, as to what happens to them next year, I, I, I definitely – I think they're going to be like a wild card team. Um, 
you know, the, the Browns are all over the place. We don't know what's going to happen with Baker. Um, the Ravens, you know, it, it's some questions to be answered. And like, obviously the health of Lamar impacts so much. Um, and then the Steelers have a really good roster, basically top to bottom, but their O-line is a little weak and quarterback, which I'm sure we'll, we'll be touching on at some point, but, um, yeah, I, I, since he's in a good spot right now, do I think that they're a dynamic enough to continually taking over, to continue taking over games like this? No. And I would be interested to see if COVID weren't a thing, um, because Joe Burrow has yet to experience a non-COVID NFL season. Um, be curious to see how much that would play into this, but um, yeah. So here's here's what I think. I think that next year, like right now is the time to take the under on Cincinnati's season total for next year. Mm. Because a lot of things, like, and by a lot, it, it – truly in the grand scheme of things isn't much, but in the NFL sense, a lot of things had to break their way. First off, if Tennessee has a quarterback who could even like slightly protect the ball, we're not talking about this because the only reason that Cincinnati won that game, despite doing everything they could to get their quarterback murdered was the fact that Ryan Tannehill was doing everything that he could to lose the game in the process of that. So if Tennessee has a competent quarterback show up, then they get on to the next round. I think that we're talking about Kansas City in the Super Bowl because they beat Buffalo. Also, if Eli Apple doesn't make one good play, because that's, <laughs> it seems like that's all he made this playoffs, by stopping Tyreek Hill before the end of the first half in the Kansas City game, we're not talking about this because that – People say, you know, they don't believe in momentum and all that sort of stuff, but that did swing the game because Patrick Mahomes came out in the second half looking like Blake Bortles. Oof. He yeah. just, by comparison to what he normally is, he just was terrible. So you could tell that, like, he was almost feeling the pressure of what was going on. Andy Reid went full Andy Reid and just stopped running the ball. So if Cincinnati doesn't, you know, with, like, somehow managed to pull that come come back off then again kansas city in the, in the uh did i say kansas city pulled the come back off wow i'm stupid if i did cincinnati oh okay well yeah if cincinnati doesn't pull that off then again we're not talking about it but they needed so many things to go wrong for kansas city for so many things to go right for them i didn't get to watch a ton of their game against vegas but from what i do understand it was a kicking fest so that also goes back to their draft last year if they don't draft the second coming of justin tucker then and i'm not saying that he actually is justin tucker i'm just saying this year he played like it then he's a good really good kicker yeah if evan mcpherson just didn't have like the biggest set of cojones that this world has ever seen they absolutely aren't where they where they are now. I mean, he very easily could have gone down just every shitter tube, whatever you want to you know use as your euphemism in that game against green Bay in the regular season where there was like eight or nine missed extra points and field goals. So they, they had so many things break their way that 
it's just, I don't feel like it's going to happen again because they do have a lot of guys that are still under contract, but their biggest issue is offensive line. And unless they trade up, they're not going to be in a good position to draft a top tier offensive lineman. And they don't really have an abundance of picks to draft a bunch of them and, you know, see if they can put together a, a good enough line to keep Burrow upright. So I think that this year just, they were the antithetical side to the Baltimore Ravens where the Ravens, like every time you turned around, somebody was getting hurt where the Bengals were every time you turn around, it looked like Burrow should be getting hurt, but he somehow survives it. So they had everything break their way. They almost like went to Baltimore and stole all of Baltimore's luck. And I was just like, yeah, we're just going to use this this season. And you guys can take our normal set of luck. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when Cincy demolished the Ravens, whatever, three weeks before the – it was with like two or three games left. The Ravens – you know, the score looks terrible. The Ravens played terrible. But they were also fielding like – I don't I, – a team that's difficult to even call the Ravens because it was all practice squad and like freshly signed guys because of injuries, specifically on defense. And I mean, to Cincy's credit, they took that momentum and ran. You know, if they don't blow out the Ravens that week, do they, you know, continue this streak into the playoffs? I, I don't know. Um, I really have to ask if Lamar Jackson stayed healthy, if they even get into the playoffs, not for anything that they're doing, but just to see if, you know, Lamar can pull it off because you get a few games in there with Tyler Huntley and he's a quality backup, but he's a backup for a reason. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, it's also low-key. Uh, don't forget that the Ravens were leading the, the, the Rams with, like, a handful of minutes left um, with Tyler Huntley late in the season, too. So, Like I said, he's a quality backup. But, you know, I, do I trust Lamar Jackson to close that game out more than I do Tyler Huntley 10 times out of 10? Yeah, 100%. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's important to note that since he was – Everyone had Cincy taking O-line last year in the draft, and they went with Chase. And Burrow wanted to be, you know, reconnected with his LSU buddy. And look, it paid off. So I would imagine Cincy's going to be definitely in the free agent market for for offensive linemen. Um, And they're going to do everything they can to get one in the – like at least one, like, stud in the draft. But with that being said, I don't know if they're necessarily going to have to trade up that much to get one. Also, I don't think they want to give up much. Well, that's the thing. If they, if they do end up trading up, what are you giving up? And then at the same time, if you don't trade up, how many like top-tier offensive linemen are already gone? Because last episode, we talked a little bit about some of the top guys who are at the, the head of the draft. And there's no chance that they make it to 31. Like, that would be an absolute joke if they did. But you mentioned them going to the free agent market. The problem with that is good teams, or teams in general, whether they're good or bad, don't let good left tackles hit the market. And right now what they need is somebody to anchor that left side so that way they can, you know, kind of polish up everything else. Because think about Joe Thomas in Cleveland. Cleveland was terrible. And sure, Joe, like Joe Thomas might be a little bit more dedicated to the city of Cleveland than you would think about, but 
all those years on a terrible, terrible team. And despite all the rebuilding that Cleveland kept trying to do, the one constant for them was we're going to keep Joe Thomas. So top end, like quality offensive linemen don't hit the market. It just doesn't happen. So I think with where they're at, that's, that's a huge problem for them. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's specifically left tackle that they're looking for. I I know. Even if it's not left tackle, like if you, whoever your left tackle is now, if he's quality enough, if you get somebody who's a lockdown left tackle, then you just move him to right tackle. And it, from all of my understanding, it's easier to make the transition going from left tackle to right tackle than it is going from right tackle to left. Right. Um, I would also just like to point out that obviously I would hate to see this because he would stay in division, but Bradley Bozeman is a free agent. But so my concern with that is I feel like he's a free agent for a reason. You know, it, it's the same thing. I think it's like Riley Reef or somebody hit the market and I believe they had them picked or him picked up. And I think they put him at right tackle. He's he hit the market for a reason. I, even Detroit let him go. And Detroit took Panay Sewell. And I feel like Panay Sewell is now going to be a, a lion for all of his career as long as he actually pans out to be what people say that he is. obviously the chargers are a better team than the lions and the Browns, but ask yourself if you really see Rashawn Slater being allowed out of the city of Los Angeles by the chargers. If yeah, I mean, stays the way that he is, it's just not going to happen. So just from skimming a few mock drafts, a handful. So everybody has Bengals going O-line and, uh, a handful have them taking Bernard uh, Barnhard Raymond from Cincy. Um, let's see. Yeah, there's a handful of athletic ones. The CBS Sports up most updated. So, I mean, let's see. NFL.com. I think they're – I just looked at this one. Um, oh, crap. This is round two. But okay, so there's at least three mock drafts that have them all, that have Cincy taking him. So I, I since he has to go O line, Burrow, he's amazing. He's a tank. Honestly, I got really worried when he got dinged up on that. That uh, was it probably the end of the third quarter, early fourth quarter, um, when he kind of got bent backwards on his knee and then he limped off the field. I was worried there for a second. I was like, crap, is this his repaired knee? Like, is he done? Um, Him and Stafford back to back actually. Yeah. I mean, and Stafford, Stafford won right off, got it retaped and basically seemed fine, but like, and doesn't have as serious of, you know, injury history regarding that. Obviously Burrow, it was only what, six months ago. If yeah. that, that, that Burrow was saying that he was having problems playing in preseason because he felt like he was going to get injured on every single play, then he ends up making it to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I mean, I, I will also say that they, since he really needs to hit while Burrow and Chase are both on the rookie contract. Well, well hold on a second, though, because it's not just those two, because T. Higgins was a Higgins huge, yeah. huge piece. To what yeah. they did. If they didn't Refs have, just didn't see him. No, nah, I mean, his, his hands just <laughs> disappeared in their mind. But the obvious face mask aside, he had two touchdowns. Yeah. So it's not just 
that one that you know he got it's not like that was the catalyst for them or anything but they have chase who they clearly were keying in on if they don't have a weapon who's as deadly as t higgins is and he's lethal i mean he is crucial to what they're doing so there's that uh the other question i have is how much longer can joe mixon stay at the level that he's at because he is getting up there in terms of running back years yeah maybe not like tom brady like years but again who's tom brady but he's a running back. So those miles count for a lot more than everybody else. Yeah. So can he stay up with that? Do they decide to, you know, find another running back to try to supplement that? Because it's not like uh, Samaj P. Ryan was a quality option. I mean, he couldn't even get one yard. Then again, I mean, he is going up against Aaron Donald. So, <laughs> and for whatever reason, Cincinnati decided to run the ball right at Aaron Donald. That's a different I don't understand that play call. I'd much rather take my chances going against an older Von Miller or an old uh, Michael Floyd, I think is on the other side. I'd much rather take my chances trying to bounce the ball outside against one of those two than run right up the middle. That was baffling to me. So I just, yeah. uh, I, 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 I will say overall, it was just really nice to see two teams. We haven't seen a ton of, obviously the Rams were just in the Super Bowl, whatever, three years ago but we have not seen a ton of them. It was nice to see new faces winning it. Um, regardless, obviously guys that have been battling their entire career, Stafford, Donald, um, I know Von Miller already has one, but OBJ gets another Cooper cup, Cooper cup. <laughs> um, you know, obviously McVay gets his, his ring now. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the Rams do for next year. Cause obviously, I would assume Donald comes back. There were rumors of him possibly retiring. They need, obviously, they basically, you know, finance their entire franchise mortgage for the next two years, right? They have to hit within this year. Next year, they at least got one. I would imagine there's going to be a very heavy push for them to go to two. Um, I mean, you've come this far. You might as well. Yeah, so does that mean they're trading for Saquon Barkley just to add the whole uh, (laughs) – the whole ring to the super team. I don't think that they should, nor no. will they. But the last point I will make about the Bengals is, and this is not to belittle the Bengals, but again, so many things had to break their way. I feel like they're more likely to hit six wins next year than they are to make the playoffs again. Because I mean, also they were so close to winning that, and like since they had the ball last. You know, you sit there and you're going, all right, this is setting up for the storybook ending. The legend of Joe continues to grow. You know, it's one final drive and it gets wrecked. And I think that mental toughness wise, Joe Burrow has the ability to get through it. But do they have the coach and Zach Taylor who can get the rest of the team through it and back to where they were? I'm not sold on him yet. So I don't know if that defense can perform reasonably compared to what they did this year. Uh, they definitely need some upgrades in their secondary. You can't have Eli Apple as your number one cover quarter corner. That is unacceptable for any championship level team. He needs to be like a third corner or maybe a low end second. Yeah. Honestly, it's, it's amazing that they did make it as far as they did with him. Yeah. <laughs> Considering how bad he has been. And he was um, bad. 
Yeah, we just like to give a nice shout out to Jimmy's Seafood for uh, making the, the special yesterday, <laughs> the uh, burnt toast and apple and uh, french fries. So, I love it. Yeah. So the one other and probably I'd say the most important piece of the Super Bowl, though, and I want to get your take on this, Mr. Music Guy, the halftime show. G-Funk plus 50 Cent. What'd you think? So I'll be completely honest. So hell of respect. Obviously, just like a straight shot of nostalgia. I'm growing up that that really I really wasn't into that stuff, so it wasn't really my cup of tea. Um, I like the, the the California Love shout out for Tupac, obviously. Um, Fifty Cent hanging upside down. I love that people were kind of surprised that like Kendrick Lamar was included in that list. Um, people were like, "Oh, it should have been Ice Cube." Um, uh, which I get, but like Kendrick Lamar, people don't realize how heavy he is within the scene now. And he does a lot of production stuff on top of his own music. Um, so nice to see him get included in that list. Obviously he's the outlier um, of those, you know, but yeah, it was nice to see him get a shout out. Um, overall, I will say it was kind of nice that it wasn't super flashy. Now, super flashy in what way? Because I think there were some things up there that were absolutely flashy. Um, Namely, so, Snoop Dogg's like head to toe crip outfit. Well, okay, yes, <laughs> but like I guess so. Maybe flashy is the wrong word. Um, what was it uh, last year? Wasn't it was the weekend and they had the crazy oh, like yeah, cubes yeah, yeah. and like yeah. or like a handful of years ago when Daft Punk and. Uh, Gosh, who, what you what, who else was there? I know was Slash that, was, was that there. Pharrell? Was it Pharrell? We might have even been in high school, but it was like crazy. Um, Black Eyed Peas. Ah, okay, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. and like it was just you know a crazy show, which is obviously very appealing on TV, and it was kind of nice to see it kind of you know dulled. I know that's probably the wrong word to use, but dulled out a little bit. Uh, um, maybe like understated. Yeah. Um, it was, it wasn't as flashy as normal, which was kind of cool. It was a little refreshing. Um, what'd you think of it? So I have a few thoughts and first of all, I'm actually kind of excited because I know you're the music guy between the two of us, uh, because you know, that is what you love to do for a living and I enjoy music, but just not to the same stratosphere that you do, but First thing, I have a question for you. Do you at least know why 50 Cent was hanging upside down? I definitely heard this, and I'm blanking on why. Okay. So the reason why is he was singing his song in the club. Now, in the music video, he is hanging upside down. So it's a callback to the original yes. music video. Yes. Uh-huh. So that's why they were doing that. Um, Kendrick Lamar, I have a few other reasons why I think that he was heavily involved. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that Dre and Snoop are from California. They're from Southern California. Uh, I think Dre is from Compton and Kendrick Lamar is from Compton. So I feel like it's almost a, Hey, we are the older guard. You are the newer guard. Yeah. Let's get, you know, the next generation of greatness coming out of Compton to be on the stage here and 
I mean, also Kendrick Lamar is just great. So why would you not include him if, if you can? So I think like, you know, having him come out, having him, you know, do his song all right, the performance that he put on with like the choreography and everything was awesome. I may not have been able to pick up on like every single like cultural relevance thing that was going on with it, just because I am unaware of those things, unfortunately. But just from sitting there, just watching a performance, that was really cool. Uh, I will say that Mary J. Blige, a lot of people are hating on her for her performance. Uh, I do think that the first song that she came out, now granted, I don't know the titles of her songs, but I do know that like the first song that she came out to, that is like the quintessential Mary J. Blige song. That's perfect. Yeah. The second song that she chose just kind of felt like a complete departure from the flow of the rest of the show. So I was kind of like, watch, like when she hit that song, I kind of tuned out because like, what are we doing here? Like this, this just feels like an interruption that I don't need. So I do kind of wish that she had maybe chosen a different song. Uh, and, you know, there might be a very, very good reason why she chose that song. I'm not in her head. I don't know why she chose it, but I just felt like the flow was kind of interrupted there. Uh, I also heard somebody else make this point. And I think it's pretty accurate. Eminem has to feel so awkward singing Lose Yourself now. Because, I mean, when he was singing that, he is, you know, a kid growing up in a trailer park in Michigan. And now he is a billionaire, multi-hundred millionaire. He's got to be a multi-millionaire. I mean, easily multi-millionaire. I don't, I don't think he's a billionaire. Yeah, I mean, I, I know Dre's a billionaire. but He's fine. They're all fine financially. We'll say yeah, that. Yeah. So he's do it like he's doing that and i gotta imagine that there's so many other songs that he probably wanted to sing but i think the fact that he took the knee in you know what solidarity with kaepernick i think he probably stuck with uh lose yourself because at that point he's like all right well if i change songs like you know we're, we're already going to deal with too much there let me just do this and do what i want with that sing lose yourself be fine uh i do kind of wish that when they when he came out with the forgot about dre part I wish they had done more of that song uh, because I think that was just kind of a tease where I wanted to hear more of it. Uh, the Snoop Dogg part was excellent for like everything. Snoop Dogg, like I think he rolled in on a low rider because I know they drove some in. Uh, There's shots of him just like sneaking hits on the blunt. He crip, he crip walked while he's at Snoop Dogg is just always perfect wherever he goes. I mean, the, the man has been forgiven for committing murder and he is everybody's darling and he is just excellent wherever but wherever he goes i have no fault with anything that snoop dogg did it was Can we forget about the most important thing he did on sunday though what was that he hosted the puppy bowl with martha stewart oh i didn't even catch that <laughs> <laughs> that is that is actually so perfectly snoop dogg that... well, they're like good buddies yeah they're... that Crazy. that just that just goes to prove my point that like he is america's darling now here's a here's a funny thought. Could you imagine rewinding back to like 1997 and telling people Snoop Dogg will be hosting this thing called the Puppy Bowl? Granted, it's pre-recorded, but a few hours prior to him playing the half or performing at the halftime of the Super Bowl. Oh, and he's hosting the Puppy Bowl with Martha Stewart. Yeah, I I don't think that anybody would believe you. In fact, they'd probably ask you if they're smoking whatever Snoop's got. So. Yeah. Uh, the, the one other point that I will say that I wasn't sure how I thought about it at first because I liked everybody who was at the performance 
And I didn't necessarily want to take anyone out of it, but I think if they had one less person in the show, then you could have given everybody else just a little bit longer with their set list because it felt a little bit choppy. The, like the style of music that was being played uh, up until the switch with Mary J. Blige was really good. But in terms of who was getting to do the performing, it felt like everybody was a little bit shortchanged. Yeah, I mean, as a whole, I haven't gone back and rewatched it, but I, to, to, to see like what the actual running time of it was. But it did feel shorter this year. And I don't think it was because it was actually shorter. I think it was because there were so many people involved. So you only saw small snippets of the, the main performers. Um, yeah, but- I just, I, I really loved what we got. And it was a perfect dose of nostalgia while also kind of bringing in the next guard, like I mentioned with Kendrick Lamar. I thought it was really well done. I just think that this was a perfect case of less really would have been more. And again, I don't want to take anyone out of the show because I love everyone who was involved in it, but it just felt a little less than what it could have been. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, I I will say before this, this thought slips my mind, favorite commercial. Oh, there really weren't that many good ones. It was yeah. I, I would say it was it was kind of an overall down year for the commercials, even though they're still hella expensive. It's like I saw it was like six and a half million, just about for thirty seconds of commercial time. Um, so yeah, I was curious if any stood out to you. For me, it was probably the Doritos, like the flaming hot Doritos, the one with the sloth and um, whatnot. But other than that, there really wasn't anything that like totally stuck out. Obviously, watching it here in Jersey, everyone lost their shit over the Sopranos. Sopranos. Yeah, and then they were like, what is this? It's an F-150 commercial, blah, 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 blah. And um, Yeah, but other than that, I I, there was a... um, Obviously, the the, the QR code, the Bitcoin type of thing that was 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 so weird. I was going to make note of that, and I really have to wonder, why was everyone's natural reaction to pull out their phone and click on that? That could have been somebody paying six and a half million to put ransomware on, like, everybody's phone. Oh, oh. Yikes. Yeah, that's a good question. I was, I did not scan it, but I... Because where we were watching, we were at a, a friend's house and I was standing like behind the couch. And when I saw it bouncing around, I was like, hold on, that's a QR code. And I was like, someone needs to scan that, scan that. And then our buddy pulled out his phone and and scanned it. But yeah, now that I think about it, that that would have like, could you imagine? Oh, man. Yeah. That I is mean, like a, just a an lot, disaster scenario. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people would have been screwed and nobody would have been able to really do anything about it. I mean, I guess that you probably could have traced it. Because I'm sure that, you know, in order to pay people the money to get that commercial up there, but there's no like lead into it. There's no, hey, this is about to be a QR code, like scan it. It's just there. So you like you pull out your phone with no prompting for all you know, because like everybody's got a smart TV, like your TV just downloaded something that it's not supposed to because like somebody hacked it. So I, I don't want to get all like tinfoil hat on it, but as soon as I saw it, like I, I, I had no inclination to reach for my phone just because I was like, whatever this is, 
I could probably Google it after and figure it out. Oh, 110%. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure actually right after the commercial, because it ended up saying what it was. Yeah. I right? kind of, I'm pretty sure I Googled it at, directly after. So I don't know. I'd be curious. Did their stock go up? Did, did they get a ton of buyers out of it? I think they did. Uh, I, I don't know how many they got, but like, I think it was successful for what they were trying to do. I don't know if they got like six and a half million worth, but I also just don't understand Bitcoin and I don't really want to try to. So yeah, I, I, mean, I don't know how they measure value. I, I thought it was interesting. I saw some floating around on Twitter that was like, you know, for these Bitcoin commercials, we need to find out if the celebrities promoting them were paid in cash or in Bitcoin or whatever the current, the crypto is. Um, Dogecoin. Dogecoin. Hey, now <laughs> I can't hate on Dogecoin that like broke the internet to the point where like, didn't Congress have to get involved in that? I think so. Yeah. It was, and it was, it was <laughs> that's crazy. All because of Reddit. Reddit. I, it, it, was that the same day as GameStop? Uh, I think that, I think GameStop and AMC were on the same day. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't, uh, that, this is a completely different topic. So I'm just going to cut it off and say, I don't get crypto. I don't want to bother trying to understand crypto. To me, it's just lines of code. I don't understand the whole mining process of it. Whatever. So moving on, I think we've hit the Super Bowl enough. A lot of people have already talked about it. A lot of people have listened to it. We've done it ad nauseum. We've gone for almost an hour on it. So let's move to the NHL because sneakily thrown into today, Jack Eichel makes his return and he's playing for the Golden Knights now, not the Buffalo Sabres. So he's in a much better market in terms of like getting out there, getting his name out there, getting well known. Before he was hurt, he was one of the best players in the league. And we have also talked about his injury. We've talked about how both of us are nervous about his health. Uh, I don't think Vegas has dropped the puck yet. So I, yeah, they don't drop until... Actually, Aren't they? He oh, may be used tomorrow, right? I thought was it today or is it tomorrow versus Colorado, right? Oh yeah, you know what? You're right. Um, so he will be debuting, debuting tomorrow. Wow, great job, me. <laughs> I uh, was gonna say, I, I unless I missed something, but I know that um, Colorado has a game tonight, but I didn't think it was against Vegas. No, well, so either way, I mean, he's he's coming out tomorrow. And I think I probably thought it was today just because I saw the lineups tweeted out today. So I thought that they were dropping the puck today. I don't know why else you tweet out the lines ahead of time. But I just, I really don't want to be a downer for him. But if I was anybody close to him, mom, dad, sister, brother, significant other, best friend, even the dude who's like an ancillary, like fifth wheel friend, I'd be hitting him up being like, dude, I love you, but... What are you doing? Like, I know you want to do this, but this is this is honestly really scary to me. Like, I, I hope he ends up being fine. I hope he ends up being wildly wrong about this. But the injuries that he had, this kind of freaks me out. So where are you at with this? I mean, at the end of the day, it was his decision. At the end of the day, this is why he got traded. He, he got what he wanted. Let's see what happens. Obviously, I hope the best for him, especially health-wise. Um, but 
I, I'm curious to see how quickly he regains full form. Um, he does has he, not. Does he ever regain full form though? Because there's there's no way he could ever be what he was after this severe of a neck injury. I mean, I, yeah, I I don't know. They big, yeah, I don't know. I I'm highly irritated with I think it's the correct word with Vegas not so much because of the Eichel stuff but I mean I I didn't necessarily want to see Eichel go to Vegas but now there's rumors that so uh, NHL is a hard cap so every team has to play underneath a certain cap however there's a one way that you can break the cap and that's by stashing guys on long-term IR right same thing that Tampa did with Kucherov yeah Tampa has notoriously done this with Kucherov um ended up winning a cup out of it really ended up winning two cups out of it but yeah one won a cup with it well in order for uh, for in order for eichel to slot into the lineup they were uh vegas had needed to stash away like four and a half million um and a lot of people were wondering if they were going to trade someone because you can't play over the cap. Well, their captain, Mark Stone, has been hurt or quote-unquote hurt with a back injury. He mysteriously or magically is the right word, ended up on long-term IR, uh, which means he can't play for the rest of the regular season. However, he can return game one of the playoffs, and cap does not matter for the playoffs. That is a massive flaw. Why have a hard cap when teams are going to literally manipulate it to do everything they can to get to the playoffs and then obviously make it a deep run? That's kind of messed up. Um, I'm hoping that the league now, especially since I would imagine more teams are going to be trying to do it, um, the league needs to do something about this. Um, But now there's even rumors that – so Leonard's hurt. There's rumors that they're going to stash Leonard on long-term IR, and there are rumors that – Marc-Andre Fleury will be heading back to Vegas, the, you know, the team that notoriously cut him after winning the Vesna Trophy last year, the team that he was a stalwart on since he got there in the expansion draft of whatever year that was, 2018, 2017. Something like that. And it's just it, – it, that's it, if they end up doing that and uh, – uh, it's a slippery slope – NHL is going to have to step in after this season and do something about this because otherwise you're going to get teams stashing guys on long-term IR left and right, stacking up their roster. And then once it comes to playoffs, then boom, they're back. Now what's interesting is that Fleury's agent, Alan Walsh has, is extremely vocal on, on, um, on Twitter he was the one who notoriously tweeted out the picture of Flurry with a knife going through his back after they benched him last year in the playoffs. And I, I, I have some questions as to whether or not Flurry would actually go back to Vegas. Um, with that being said, I still don't think that Vegas has the firepower to get through a team like Colorado um, in a seven-game series. Vegas is taking advantage of a very weak Pacific division. Not to say Vegas is not a good team, but they have not played great this year, and yet they're still in pretty good command of that division. So so I, I guess that answers the question I was going to ask after the Eichel talk was, you know, it, let's say that he can be like even 85 to 90% of what he once was. 
does Vegas become a little bit more of a wagon now? Because they very clearly are the weakest division leader. So they're going to get a higher seed based on that. But right now you look at them as kind of like, you know, the, just the, the weekend of what you got. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think out of the West, I, I, I think Colorado is the obvious pick. Um, Minnesota, Nashville could even be sneaky. Um, St. Louis could be sneaky. Um, Vegas has to be in that conversation, but the Pacific division is so bad right now. So bad that Vegas can kind of coast through the regular season, which is essentially what they've done. Um, I, I don't think they have the firepower to get through a team in uh, like even Minnesota in the seven game series. That's the thing that makes hockey so different. Obviously, basketball plays seven-game series, too. And I guess the seven-game series just really does wean out. It shows who the better team is um, at the end of the day. So there's still a lot of hockey left to be played, but I don't know. we got, we got to see what happens. But I, I definitely would not consider Vegas a wagon, though a lot of people are going to ooh and ah at them. All right, so we'll move off Vegas then, and we'll move to what is probably the quietest back-to-back champions of any league that I know of, and that's the Lightning, because right now they're not leading their division. Florida is. So it seems like they're kind of just not really coasting, but for what they are, they're kind of just, you know, laying in, in the deep, waiting for the playoffs to kind of make a run. So... I guess ultimately my question is, are we somehow forgetting about Tampa right now? Um, I wouldn't say forgetting about them. I think that Tampa, along with so many good teams, and, you know, the Caps were notorious for this a decade ago, are able to co- – so many good teams are able to coast through the regular season, and they play a style of game that will – shoot them up, you know, the standings. At the end of the day, that style of play does not always translate for the playoffs, as we've talked about before. And I I, I still wouldn't want to face Tampa. Um, I tell you what I would want, though, is a Florida-Tampa seven-game series. That that series, was, I think it was last season, was nasty. Even I think it only lasted five games, if I'm remembering correctly. It might have been – no, it hadn't have been last year because the year before was the bubble – um, it was a nasty series. Uh, right now, I, I would take Tampa in that series um, as much as my heart would say to take Florida. Um, what I really uh, – maybe, you know, maybe you can take this for, for your betting lines and whatnot. Um, something to watch out for is that uh, there's a reason why winning back-to-back is so difficult. And keep in mind, it hasn't been normal back-to-backs because it hasn't been a full 82-game season. Not, not to discredit Tampa, but the bubble made it un, you know, unnormal, <laughs> I think it's safe to say. And then abnormal, the, maybe? Ab, yeah, abnormal. Sorry. It's been a long two days at work this week, and it's, it's <laughs> getting late. Um, And then so we have the bubble and then last year we had the 56 game season. Obviously, a lot of guys missed time because of COVID, too. So guys were in and out of the lineup a lot, not discrediting them. But this is their first 
quote unquote normal season. Tampa is a veteran team. Kind of they got a nice balance of, of older guys and younger guys. At some point, fatigue is going to set in. I do not envision Tampa going far. And I tend to think that's why the media has kind of backed off a bit is because sure, we could talk about Tampa till we're blue in the face. I'm very curious to see what happens in the later in the season and into the playoffs, just because fatigue, like these deep playoff runs wear on you. But with that being said, if any team were to go for a three-peat, this would be the team to do it because of the circumstances. Fair enough. Now, I am going to make a very not-so-clean but very quick transition away from the NHL because I am absolutely livid right Uh-oh. now. Who lost? Florida? F- Florida. Uh-oh. So here's the, here's the reason why I am livid right now, and I'm livid because of bad coaching. Mike White has been in Florida since Billy Donovan left to go to the NBA. That was a long time ago in terms of coaching. Yeah. So I am currently typing out a tweet that says, fire Mike White and the Florida Gators into the sun. So I I know that you only know but so much about basketball in comparison to something like hockey. Yeah. But I think even you would understand the concept of don't foul a three-point shooter. Especially (laughs) when that three-point shooter is one of the best free-throw shooters on the entire team. So here's the thing. So college basketball this year has been fantastic. And I just so happen to be on the wrong side of this one, but because if I was on like Texas A&M, I'd be ecstatic right now, but Florida is up to, they were down as many as I think like 13 at one point, they run this crazy comeback. Texas A&M is looking primed to collapse yet again, because they started out in conference really strong and then they have been struggling as of late. Not as bad as LSU, but still, they've been struggling. So Florida takes a two-point lead. There is 19 seconds left in the game. And a guy for Texas A&M, he's got a fairly decent, clean look at a three-point shot. And a Florida guy comes out and just clearly takes him out by basketball standards. I mean, they're not going to meet your hockey standards. but Right, right, right. So clearly takes him out. The shot is nowhere near hitting. So if he doesn't, you know, take him out, you got a chance at a rebound. Then Texas A&M has to foul you. You're the one that's at the line. But no, this guy has to be an absolute bonehead and knock him out, giving him three free throws, which not only gives them the chance to tie the game, but to then take the lead. So Florida has, you know, however, however long they had to run a play, get a shot at it. And they did have a, de- a decent looking shot at the hoop. So they very easily could have made it. They very easily could have won. But you know what? They did it. <laughs> so I don't I am uninterested in anyone who would look at this and go, oh, well, you know, they they really had. No, no, they didn't have it because they were getting outplayed the entire game. They got lucky to make this comeback. And then somehow, some way, they went back to being what they've been all season, which is a massive disappointment because their one guy, when they have a chance to win, decides to have an absolute brain meltdown and do this. 
So while I am absolutely livid right now, at the same time, this goes to the point that I've been saying the last few weeks, college basketball has been great this season. <laughs> renaissance, renaissance. Oh, it's been so much fun. I mean, that game ultimately, like Florida is, I, I mean, they're iffy to get to the tournament at this point, and that's iffy at best. Uh, the only chance that they really have is that the committee does take into account when a team doesn't have their like top players for a while, and they were missing their best player for about six games. So that that part does come into play, but they lose by one on an absolutely boneheaded, ridiculous play. You go to let, let's go to the Red River rivalry of basketball, and Texas and Oklahoma are t- knotted up at sixty six with. 20 seconds left in the game. That's fantastic. Uh, Florida State and Clemson, two teams that definitely aren't going to make the tournament, but they Florida State has a one-point lead. These games have been so good in terms of drama. Maybe not necessarily good in terms of play, but the drama is off the charts. So the, the now the question that comes up is Gonzaga has come back to the number one spot because Auburn lost last week so they have moved down to number two now i know that you you pay attention to it as much as you can but again not your number one but years past gonzaga has taken over the number one seed and not given up because they don't lose a conference do you see gonzaga getting replaced as the number one seed, uh, the number one team not necessarily the number one seed but the number one team and another question i think is worth asking is them being the number one overall team a kiss of death for them? Because they have yet to be able to finish the job because of their light schedule at the end of the year that, granted, gives them the best bracket. But when it comes down to, like, tight games and all that, they're just not really well-suited to handle it. Yeah, I mean, and I think a lot of that would have to do with just the the division and the conference that they're in, right? I mean, they're not consistently battling – mid to top tier teams and i know that the wcc has been better this year right uh, i would say that that's safe to, to say right they've they've kind of outplayed yeah. their expectations but can i mean at the end of the day gonzaga is a really really good team i just i always worry about that same in every sport right if you're i was just mentioning it with vegas if you're in the pacific division a down division um if you're gonzaga playing against west coast conference um at the end of the day like so it's a, it's basically safe to assume that gonzaga is going to breeze through the rest of this regular season yeah i'd, I'd say so because they usually tend to right and uh, i don't know i i personally i always think that the number one seed is a kiss of death for any team i mean we've seen it with the caps getting the president's cup all the time and never I, being able to finish the job yeah, I mean, I'm I'm of the belief in any sport. I mean, look at where the Rams were not the top seed in the in the NFC, right? No, they were the three seed, right? And Bengals were four seed. So I I'm of the belief that you want to hit your hot streak at the right time. And obviously, a lot of teams, a lot of really good teams, typically can coast towards the end of the season. Like if you're a you know Presidents Cup winning team. If you're if you're locked in the number one overall, you know, home field advantage the rest of the playoffs in the NFL, um, and then you get that first bye week. I I talked about that with the Titans. I don't like that, um, and I'm not super hip with college basketball. But like, 
it's not very often we see a one versus one right in the NCAA final. Like that's fairly rare. And so it's actually, it's not as rare as you think it is because they usually come up with like great storylines in the tournament. Like, you know, you've got your Loyola Chicago's it's rare to see one against ones in both final four games. It's not nearly as uncommon as it is for the final four for both the games to have it as there is to be a one versus one matchup in the, uh, in the title game. So like last year, Baylor was a number one seed. Gonzaga was a number one seed. We just had it last year. It's to me though, it, it does kind of come down to the conference. It also comes down to the fact that like, I don't get to watch them at all. So I don't even really know how good they are. And really, if I do watch them right now, the competition that they have while improved isn't really that great by comparison to, I mean, obviously like the SEC and the big 12. So whenever I'm watching them play someone, I feel like I kind of have to take it with a grain of salt because who are they playing? Right. And I think it comes down to your day-to-day focus, you know, for better or for worse, Gonzaga has more talent than majority of the teams in their, in their conference. Right. At least when you're playing in a, in a conference like the SEC that has middle, a lot of middle of the tier pack teams and some upper echelon teams, you still got to bring it every night or else you're going to get your butt whooped. Yeah. I mean, they, they got like the number one overall recruit in the country to come to Gonzaga of all schools, uh, which also seems weird to me that the number one overall recruit came out of Minnesota, uh, which is mm. where they just had their last top end recruit, Jalen Suggs. Uh, he had the, the two of them were teammates, uh, him and Chet Holmgren, who they have now, which also the idea of a number one overall recruit's first name being Chet really throws me for a loop. That You've that, mentioned that like multiple weeks now. Yeah, it's it, it confuses me. It will never <laughs> stop. It will never stop confusing me. But by comparison, even if they were to stay in a mid-major conference, I think that Gonzaga would benefit immensely if they were in, say, the Mountain West, where I've been watching a ton of their games and I actually have Wyoming and New Mexico up right now on my screen. The Mountain West is wickedly entertaining this year. And to me, that suggests suggests the teams are better. Uh, Wyoming is now ranked 22 in the country. They have been on an absolute heater. Uh, They are getting tested early on right now down in New Mexico. I really hope that Wyoming can pull it off because like they've kind of become like my darlings for the year. Like I I love watching them play. I'm assuming Uh, NCAA birth. As of right now, yes. Uh, I mean, they're ranked 22, so I would be shocked if they didn't make it. But the Mountain West, like Boise State also is really good this season. Uh, Colorado State has been solid. A couple times they've fallen and not really been up to expectations. Uh, but they are, are still very, very good. Uh, San Diego State, which is a very well-known program throughout the country, uh, largely thanks to Kawhi Leonard going there, but also they've just been a very consistent program over the years. They aren't very good record-wise right now, but in terms of like being able to pull off an upset, whenever you play them, it is a dangerous, dangerous game. I just, it, I know that they will lose games, and again, record-wise, they're not where they're supposed to be, but that's just a team that I don't bet against because I do not bet against programs that are known for playing absolutely hellacious lockdown defense. It's one of the reasons right now why I won't bet against Texas Tech because I don't want to see even the most powerful of offenses 
going up against that crazy of a defense. So these games are fan, like just they're off the charts and there's so much craziness going on that last week I mentioned Towson loses to a team that's previously winless in conference and sure mid majors, you know, it's, it's our school. You guys are going to say we're biased. Of course we are deal with it, but they lose to a team that's winless in conference. They're still the number two team in their conference and they take another team like four days later to the woodshed and absolutely destroy Elon by like 36. So everything that is happening this year is completely whacked out. The rules are made up. Nothing makes sense. (laughs) Nobody knows what's going on and it is awesome. So while I'm looking up something real quick, have you had a chance to really dive much into the season uh, outside of hockey? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I try to keep an eye on it. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I don't really have a ton of time to watch games. Um, and when I do, it goes to hockey, just my natural bias. Um, you know, I, I, I will say, you know, on our little rundown here, you mentioned um, Rutgers and a lot of people are really hot on Rutgers right now. And obviously Rutgers is maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes from where I'm at right now. Um but I know there was a whole write-up, um, I believe, this morning comparing Rutgers to one of your favorites that we dove in on last week of Providence. And, um, I, you know, I, it was earlier this year that Rutgers beat the number one overall seed. And didn't they – who did they beat actually last week while we were recording? Um, so they took down Ohio, Ohio State, State, right? Yep. Yeah. So they're, they themselves, they're on a heater, but they're also – wildly inconsistent. inconsistent yeah 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 so I, like i think they're capable of making a tournament push because they've won these games but they have got to figure out how to put it together first uh, not just a like string of a couple of games but a long string of games so uh, they did beat purdue when purdue was ranked number one in the country they beat them at home so it's going to take away a little bit of it because purdue is on the road but still they won it was a crazy game it was fun to watch uh understandably like four days later, they lose to Seton Hall, which it, you shouldn't do if you want to claim state pride and states like bragging rights. But after you just beat down the number one team in the country, losing your next game because eh, of a letdown, yeah, I think we could let that slide. That being said, they have beaten Michigan. They beat Nebraska, which is nothing. Uh, they lost to Penn State, which isn't very good. Uh, they beat Maryland. Not really saying much this year. <laughs> the other thing that got me is I, I keep looking at this Iowa score that they have. It was 48 to 46. Whew, and okay. every, every time I see that, I'm looking at it going, how the hell did Maryland let Iowa put up 100 on them? <laughs> like, that's bad. But you beat Iowa by two, notably at home. You're going to catch a theme here. They lose to Minnesota by three on the road. Maryland does come to Piscataway and beat them. That, sure. Good win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they only beat Nebraska by two on the road, and Nebraska is notably the dregs of the Big Ten. They are awful. Uh, but then they lose to Northwestern by one on the road. Northwestern really isn't that much better than Nebraska, or I guess for that matter, Maryland this year. They beat they, they didn't just beat Michigan State. They beat them down. 
They beat them by over 20 at home. Damn, yeah. And then they beat Ohio State by two at home. The last game that they played, they did beat Wisconsin on the road, but Wisconsin is definitely falling off right now. They are in a slump. So I really don't know what the committee can do with this team right now. I think, again, I think they're capable of making a run, but I think they should hope to God that they can make a run to the, uh, I'd say at least the Big Ten semifinals to make a really good case for themselves. So that's going to be tricky, man. They are, there's so many teams that are like that. And it it just, it's got to be painful to be a fan of those teams, but man, is it fun for somebody who like doesn't have any emotional ties to them. Yeah, so, I mean, I I would imagine that they're insanely difficult to bet for that reason, too, just because of the wild inconsistency. I will say um, a lot of their success, it seems like this year, has come on home court. Um, and the rack is a pretty raucous place. Um, been there once. It's, it's a, surprisingly... It, it's a, the way it's built, the fans feel like they are on top of the court. Um, mm. It's built basically straight up. Um, it's very, very steep. Um, and that place goes nuts, obviously. Um, but with that being said, I definitely would not pick them to, you know, go on some crazy run deep in the NCAA tournament. I just because of the in- inconsistencies. And I, you know, realistically, do we even see them? making that big of a push in the big 10 tournament now i mean i think well here's the thing they've shown that they are capable of doing that but they're also they've also shown that they're capable of losing in the first round right exactly so they have proven it but at the same time they've also proven the complete opposite side it's it's so hard to keep track of with them now yeah i mentioned a second ago that wyoming is being tested by new mexico wyoming has one conference loss. They are currently sitting at the top of the Mountain West. New Mexico has eight. They are second to last in the conference, only behind San Jose State. And San Jose State is dreadful. They are awful. Just awful. But the top team in your conference is struggling on the road to a team that's like right at the bottom. Some people will say that's like, you know, oh, you got a mediocre conference. Honestly, I feel like that's just making the conference more fun because take the SEC, for example. Missouri has pulled off some absolutely ridiculous wins this year. And they've done them as far as I can, as far as I remember, I could pull it up in a second here, but I believe they've done them in Missouri. So it's not like they're going on the road and pulling these off. It's, it's at home. It's just the truth of, you know, hey, you're at home in conference, uh, maybe a little bit of home cooking from the refs. Who knows? But something like that, you know, if if your bottom team still has a legitimate chance to take you out, then I think that just speaks to the quality of the conference overall. So, because again, let's use Gonzaga as an example. Gonzaga is not going to lose to Santa Clara, to Pepperdine, to Portland, Pepperdine, what a place. Yeah, they're, they're not going to lose to those teams. And that's a lot of the reason why people look at 
the West Coast Conference and say that they're just they're not very good because overall, at least because their top team is so clearly above the rest. Now, by comparison, let's take the ACC. Duke is clearly the best team in the ACC. But the fact that Duke has lost to some lower tier ACC teams does not mean that the ACC is very good because I have watched Auburn play and Auburn right now is the top of the SEC. I watched Auburn struggle mightily with Georgia, who is, if not the worst team in the SEC, right next to Missouri and Vanderbilt for the worst team in the SEC. Auburn's really freaking good. And Duke is capable of being really good, but they're just, they're kind of like Rutgers in a way where they are very inconsistent, at least in terms of what a top tier team should be. Like they go out and they absolutely manhandle Carolina in Coach K's last game uh, in Carolina, which, first of all, if we want to talk about something that was wildly predictable, it's Coach K going to Chapel Hill and absolutely blowing out the Tar Heels in his last game there. And then not two days later, actually, no, was it two days later? Uh, yeah, it was two days later. They drop on home to Virginia and Virginia ain't good this year. So I really don't know like what people want to do with Duke because they, they beat Clemson. Clemson ain't very good. Uh, they beat Boston College. Boston College hasn't been good in years. And they win by two against Wake Forest, who Wake Forest is more quality than they have been in years past, but they're kind of like a Fugazi good where they're just, they're good by ACC standards. They would be getting absolutely smacked around in the SEC and the Big 12 from what I've seen. So when your top team is eh sometimes, that means that, you know, like, and I say eh in terms of like they lose those games because Auburn struggled with Georgia, but they still won. So, when your top team is capable of just dropping a game like that or just going ice cold from the field and not being able to shoot like they, they normally do, that's a problem. So the ACC is eh, but I feel like the SEC, the Big 12, you watch their games and it's fireworks after fireworks. Like Texas Tech, when they played Kansas at Kansas, was an absolutely amazing game. Uh, even when Texas went to Lubbock to play Texas Tech, it wasn't a close game but there was still fireworks the entire time. It was an exciting brand of basketball to watch. And I'd say the same thing for Wyoming with their games in the mountain West, because like I mentioned, I have just been randomly attaching myself to this team. I've watched a ton of their games and their games are just wickedly entertaining every time I put them on. So there, I kind of have lost track of what my original point here was, but overall, I will go back to what I was saying of college basketball is just awesome this year. In fact, it's so awesome. I literally lose track of what I'm talking about with it. Well, I'll tell you what you didn't mention. What is IUPUI? So I will take, <laughs> I will take a second to Google this. But before I, I know I someone do, that went there. <laughs> okay. Well, before I do, I want to take a guess at what this is. And Chris, I, I want you to vouch for the people who listen to this. My hands are in the air. They are not on my keyboard. I don't have this up. In fact, I will turn my laptop towards as much as my tabs will allow you to. I see I got three tabs open. 
one of them is the is the Google Doc that we're on. The other one is YouTube TV, and the other one is a Google thing that has uh, Duke's current schedule up. So just to vouch, I don't have the name of this school up. I believe that the name of this school is Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. And assuming that is the name, who the hell decided that was a good idea? Oh my God, I got it right. You did. Indeed, you did. I what there are what Horizon Division Conference. Why oh, I keep saying division? Uh, Horizon Conference, right? Uh, I think they call it Horizon League, but the, like that really matters. Um, <laughs> I, I'm checking right now. Yeah, they're in the Horizon League. I'm still amazed I got the name right. Yeah, why? Like, it, why is per? I, I don't understand why, why. Why is this the name that you chose to let it happen? I don't get it. I don't get your reasoning. Uh, yeah, I, I no but, idea. Also, if your name is going to be Ewe Pooey, <laughs> your, your mascot cannot be the Jaguars. I don't know why. It just doesn't fit. It needs to be something else. Just don't. <laughs> I'm going to call them Ewe Pooey for the rest of the year. <laughs> Ewe Pooey. I hope they go by that. Is that actually what they go by? <laughs> Oh, no, but I hope it, it is. should be this. They should be like Pepe Le Pew, like the skunk or something. <laughs> yes, that would be fantastic. Uh, but yeah, so I put in our Google Doc just for those who are listening. What's an Ooey Pooey and what is going on with their team and roster? Because they are, and I, I say this with an asterisk because of what, what just happened yesterday. And I wrote this Google Doc today, taking the entire season into account. They are so bad. And I, I'm guessing so injured that in the middle of the season, they're hosting open tryouts on campus and just asking people to come try out for the team. How desperate and how bad do you have to be? So yeah, so they had six players on their roster, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's normally, what, 14, 11? That, like, somewhere between like 12 and 14, I think. Yeah, okay. Dude, that's, that's you're missing crazy. half your roster for however many reasons. I don't know. Has that ever happened before? I mean, and well, actually, let me better. Here's a better question because I bet you that happened last year because of COVID. Obviously, wasn't they weren't holding actual tryouts on campus. Um, but also, though, let's see how many students do you think go there? Oh, good question. Uh, I'd probably say somewhere between 7,500 and 10,000. You said 10,000 max? Yeah. Wow. You're about to be mind blown. I am. 27,000. I'm sorry, what? It, run that number by me one more time. I didn't hear you correctly because wow. I, I swear I heard you say a 20 to start that. 27,000 and actually so 27,000 on their actual website so I'm going with that that there's another website here that says they have 29,000 what the hell so I'm just going to say this that is bigger than Towson how is Uwe Pooey bigger than Towson I work at a school that has a total of 5,000 students <laughs> Uwe Pooey is Almost six times the amount of that. How? What is an ooey pooey, and who allowed it to grow this big? 
like no, I never would have guessed thirty thousand. Like upwards of thirty thousand. This is this is so bad. Twenty. Yeah, it says on their website twenty seven thousand six hundred ninety undergrads, graduate and professional students call Uli Pui home. Dude, that's more than Towson. I. How many students go to College Park? Uh, probably around like 50,000. It's yeah. it's a lot. But in fact, actually, let, let's see here. So, University of Maryland, great podcasting us. No, uh, this this no, is great. This is this is legit. I was gonna say, if, I was gonna say if you're here at this point, then thank you for listening this far. First of all. But second of all, you're you're in deep with us, so you might. Okay, so yeah, they're at uh, forty thousand five hundred and twenty-one as of their twenty seventeen uh, registers market. market so as as of fall twenty twenty, Maryland had an undergrad. Uh, so this is just undergrad enrollment. Uh, okay, yeah, 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 thirty thousand. Thirty thousand. I, I, I see that now. But so, ooey pooey, man. Ooey Pooey's like this, their entire school is like the size of UMD's undergrad. How in the world is Ooey Pooey as big as Maryland? It doesn't make sense. Chris, make it make sense to me. Dude, Towson's enrollment is 22,000. I don't. Okay, <laughs> let's get back to the point here. Their basketball, uh, they have 27,000 students on campus. And their basketball team had six. That's a problem. That is a massive problem. Now, I'm going to read off a few scores to you here, and I'm just going to let you know that Uwe Pui has been on the losing side of all of these games. 58 to 72. 54 to 69. 54 to 89. 37 to 83. Now, granted, that was against Ohio State, so that's a little unfair of me to bring that one up. But still... 37 to 83, and Towson, who notably has less students than you, actually gave Ohio State a hard time. 73 to 45, 60 to 41. Now, I'm going to read off two other scores, and I want you to tell me what you think happened here. 57 to 54, 67 to 65. Were the games called at half? <laughs> Uwe Pui lost those games by three and two. Now, do you think those are against two separate teams? No, it's got to be against the same team. How the hell are you going to be the University of Illinois, Chicago, and barely beat Uwe Pui by a combined total of five points in two games when they are getting the brakes beaten off of each other, or not off each other, off themselves, by every other team that they are facing that doesn't, or that actually has a mascot. Because when I looked up Uwe Pui's schedule, and if you go on Google, they played East West University, which is so small of a university. Google doesn't even give them a mascot. So 
they lose to them and Illinois Chicago has the audacity to lose to them by a total of five points and win four other conference games. <laughs> They're not the last team in their conference. You guys should be embarrassed. The fact that you are not, look, what is it? Uh, looks like Wisconsin Green Bay here or, or just Green Bay. I don't even know if it's Wisconsin Green Bay, but Green Bay has three conference wins. Robert Morris has five. Somehow Wisconsin Milwaukee is below them just because they have a worse win percentage because they're 7 11. So I'm guessing they had less conference games postponed. But you have six total conference wins. And looking at it, I'm going to see if I can try. You beat Cleveland State, who is the top team in your conference, sitting at 13 and four. You beat them. And you can't beat Uwe Pooey by more than five points between two games? You guys should be embarrassed. <laughs> so uh, here, here's a fun fact, you know, just digging into some stuff. Uh, East West University, you want to guess their enrollment, their total underground enrollment as of this year? You're really going to do this to me again, aren't you? <laughs> I don't know what they- 35,394. I hate everything about this world. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. <laughs> I bet you that your graduating class in high school was bigger than that entire university. It was. Yeah. <laughs> it absolutely was. And it's <laughs> not even in doubt. East West University. Why? Who the hell thought that was a good idea? <laughs> I don't know. But so here, here's really what's killing me about UIC. So there are other four wins. One of them was against Cleveland State, which I already brought up. Uh, top team in the conference. You beat Milwaukee by four. They're below you in the conference. But you lose to them or you beat them by four. Uh, you beat Green Bay by 17. And then you beat Robert Morris by five. In one game, excuse me, alone against Robert Morris, you have matched your spread total of how much you beat Uwe Pui with a six-man roster at some point in this season in two games. Just at that point, turn in your uniforms and go home. Go enjoy the city of Chicago. I'm sure... <laughs> It's probably a terrible place to be right now. It's because cold. Of, yeah. But go enjoy what you can because if you are losing – sorry, again, not losing. It's so bad that I think that they're losing these games. <laughs> but you're beating Uwe Pui by five. And at this point, anyone who's listening to this is probably sick of hearing me say this, but it bears repeating until the end of time. You are not doing what you need to be doing as a team. Your coach is failing you. You are failing yourselves. You should be blowing these guys off the court. And to wrap this all around as into one neat and tidy bow, college basketball has been great this season. <laughs> it has I just been think college so sports good. in general, man. I, I mean, I'll be honest. So I – I, I actually, I may or may not have seen more college lacrosse than I have basketball this year, but even that seems, I mean, I'm, 
college sports, I think COVID has made stuff wild. We've rejuvenated college sports, and I'm yeah. all for it. Yeah. And I just took a look at the time, and holy crap, we have been at this for a while. So I think it's time that we wrap this up, Chris. All right. We're putting a so, bow on it. All right. Well, I will say thank you again to everybody who listens, as I always do at the end of each episode. Uh, please like, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, because I'd love to show up on some more people's feeds, help grow this thing a little bit. Uh, I am working on trying to get some more guests coming up soon. I've already got one lined up who should be coming sometime in March. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Fingers crossed everything works out. Uh, but again, thank you guys for listening and we will catch you next time.